Hey everyone, Satsunami here. Just before we start this episode, I just want to warn you all that we are going to be talking about some very sensitive topics that may be upsetting to some individuals. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. I'm Satsunami and unfortunately Adam has got himself trapped in a video game so to help me rescue him from said game I have recruited none other than my very good friend Green Shield 95. Green Shield, welcome back. I fight for my friends. Yeah, Adam's not getting out of that game anytime soon. <laughs> We will get to floor 100. Or floor, what is it? 76. Not even that, was it not 40 something? No, I think I think it was the 70s they got to. They really did? Well, sorry, we are anyway, <laughs> we're jumping ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, how are you doing today? I'm alright, yeah. I'm excited to somewhat rant, somewhat wax lyrical about a show we've spoken about before. I feel as if this is going to be the episode that either makes or breaks Chat Tsunami. It's going to be that controversial hot take one that people are going to be talking about for years. <laughs> They'll pull this up in the future as how they're going to cancel us. Yes, it's going to be like a bravery museum just a picture of us up there saying why did you do that? Why did you talk about ACO? And yeah, that is a lovely transition to say yes today we are talking about the widely controversial anime Sword Art Online. I was about to joke and say widely beloved but that would probably tick off a lot of people who don't like this anime but if I said widely hated that would tick off all the fans of said show so you know what? Widely divisive widely controversial. Would you say that's safe and sane about this show? I think controversial is a way of describing the show at large. I think it splits opinion, for sure. You and I both have things that we like about it and things that we very much do not like about it. So yeah, it is a divisive show. So do you want to give the audience a summary of the kind of show that Sword Art Online is? Sure. Um, Sword Art Online essentially is a previously a manga adapted into an anime about a world that is set in a video game where a group of individuals who are playing testing the game or other are there for the debut of the game get trapped in said game by the creator who intends for them to play the game to completion and if they die in the game they die in real life it is a full immersive video game so their mind is transport into the game and so everything seems very lifelike to them and they have to learn how to play the game and work together and form guilds and relationships and all sorts it's a unique concept in many ways the idea has been done through other mediums and other other ways but the actual idea was at the time pretty new, pretty unique, and the concept I think is pretty cool, but it quickly started doing things that we didn't quite like about it. And we'll get into that a little bit more later, but that is the brief synopsis of how the show started, and then it evolved into a huge franchise with various spin-offs and other arcs. As you said though, the whole premise of it does seem a little bit, I don't want to say cliche, but it's a concept that has been done before, the whole 
if you die in the video game, you die in real life and everything. But initially, anyway, as you said, initially they do it in such a way that you think, wow, I want to learn more about this world. I want to know who these characters are. I want to know their backstories, their struggles, their adventures throughout this game. And then you get to a certain point in it and you kind of think, okay, this isn't the anime that I initially signed up for. Because as you said, you go into this thinking, oh, it's going to be this epic adventure and everything and then about okay slight spoilers here just in case but about 12 episodes in the main adventure ends and you're kind of like right okay but there's 24 episodes in this season so where's the rest of the anime and you do get that kind of sense of oh this is the anime it's becoming as you go kind of further and further in do you know what it reminds me of it's like you know those pictures that you see online and it's like the more you stare at it the more things you start to notice that you don't like yeah i can see that and i think there's a lot of retrospective with sword online that you look back at and you're like "Mm, did i like that and you start to pick certain flaws within the story and how the certain events took place we've watched a fair bit of anime prior to this we were kind of used to a lot of tropes from anime that get deployed in the show i can't speak for the manga i'm an anime only recipient anime only watcher and read the manga but the anime does go into territory that it made you like roll your eyes while you're watching it initially and then later on you start being like oh god no that's not okay and so it's tricky to recommend the show for that i have recommended seo to people before as a star anime because i knew that they like video games but weren't really into anime so i said hey check this out maybe you'll like this and they did they enjoyed it and i know that it was the kind of the birthplace of a lot of new anime watchers that they started watching anime because of SEO because as I said the concept is very interesting and it's very easy to jump into. People understand video games, they understand the idea of like living in a video game and how cool that would be and then the sort of premise of these people are stuck in this and they have to complete this task in order to get out. It's a very simple concept that is very interesting for a lot of people and for those who aren't as familiar with anime it seems like quite unique and gritty and so it makes a good starter anime in those ways. Unfortunately it has elements that prevent the show from being a truly great anime because of decisions where a girl is assaulted in a certain way, either just for a comedic holding upside down and revealing her underwear, or in the case of later series where they're restrained by tentacles or almost molested. It gets very seedy at times, and that certainly makes it hard to be a good show for recommending in that regard, but it does do something so well so it's a, such a hard one to balance I don't know what your feelings on that are see I was very interested when I was researching this topic for this episode because I remember in university you and I watched this because we were getting into like a very anime phase it's not a phase mom <laughs> it's who I am you had Guru Lagan Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood Hunter x Hunter I know it's Hunter Hunter <laughs> you know we had all these animes we were watching Attack on Titan as well and one of the ones we watched of course was Sword Art Online and I remember every week we would watch like a handful of episodes and we watched it at the same time there was new episodes coming out for it so that was the Gun Gale Online arc which we will talk about in more detail later on but I remember watching it and I was very interested in the premise you know because I am very into the whole virtual reality world and everything 
and it was just such a cool concept because if you haven't noticed by now listening to Chats with Amy, I am a big video gamer. I absolutely love video games and the whole concept. So apparently Sword Art Online actually takes place in 2022, but this anime came out in, I think it was 2012, so 10 years off. And unfortunately, we don't have that kind of technology yet, but we do have the Oculus Rift and all of them and the VR headsets that we've got going around. But it's still a cool idea. And I remember when I first watched it, I thought, oh, you know, it's a cool idea. You're trapped in the game and you have to fight your way out and everything. That intrigued me and that hooked me in. So I can definitely see why people love this anime. I can 110% see why. But again, going back to what you were saying there, my main issues with it are really just the objectification aspect of it. And the more you go back and look at it and analyse it, and believe me, you don't have to analyse very hard when you look at these scenes, you kind of think, that's not okay, that's not okay. And for any anime fans out there, you will know that fan service and things like that are a thing in anime. It's an unfortunate thing, but nevertheless, it's still a thing where, for those of you who don't know, it'll be where, like, a attractive-looking character will come out in, like, skimpy clothing, or they'll get themselves into quite a provocative situation, and they'll do it for laughs, or they'll do it for serious, dramatic points. But for Sword Art Online, I just, I don't feel as if they have the maturity to carry it off. And as you said, Green Shield, it does get very uncomfortable at times. But see, without any further ado, will we just jump into what we like about this anime and what we don't so much like about this anime? Yeah, for sure. Bear with us as we try to get Adam out of the depths of his virtual world. And we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that's so- Sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all big podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. <laughs> But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. And we're back. So, Satsunami, what is your favourite parts of Soda Online? I like the credits. That joke never gets old. I'm flying over there tomorrow. I'm going to slap you. I mean, you can try if you can find me. See if I put on an Oculus. He'll never find me in here. System drive. Oh god, he found me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, anyway, my nightmares about getting cyberbullied by Green Shield aside, I have to admit, I do like the music in this. I will say that. I do think the music is so good. You've got the opening theme, Crossing Fields, which is the one for, I want to say season one, but the kind of first half of that, yeah, by a singer called Lisa. And I hope that's how you say it. She does an absolutely fantastic job at that. And for an anime that does have those, you know, as we said, uncomfortable moments and things, honestly, I do think that it does those fantastically. This is where uh, your editing production skills come in handy, where you now play a segment from Crossing Field. Yeah, and then I get copyright struck. Da, 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 da. <laughs> da, da. Yeah, that was a copyright free version. If Crunchyroll <laughs> want to start sponsoring us, then I'll play the full thing. I will go back and edit this, but until then, you're getting my lovely vocal pipes. The other thing that I did like, I have to admit, was for the most part, the action and animation isn't too bad. It's like quite visually engaging at times. And I mean, the fight scenes and things like that. There's a lot of ideas I do like in this series. From episodes 1 to 12, there is so much that I do like about this anime. You know, I like the setting. I like most of the characters, but we'll get into that. Even later on in the series, there's a couple of really interesting arcs that they do. Even when they're out of the world of SAO and they go into Alfheim Online, which I've got a gripe about that, but I will come back to it. I mean, I do like that. For example, you have the Mother Rosario arc, which is, for me personally, I would go as far to say that that's probably one of my favourite arcs out of the entire series because it tries something different it does it in a smaller scale it's not something that's blown up and they say oh you have to save Yuki who's one of the main characters in this arc or the world's gonna explode you know it's like quite a self-contained story and it's something that I do really like about the series at times when they have those small interactions like one of my favourite episodes is see when Kirito goes is it with Elizabeth or Elspeth or something like that the blacksmith that sounds right yeah yeah that one when he goes out with the blacksmith to try and get a... It's like a dragon turd. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just like this fun side adventure and things you think, oh, that's cool. Kind of small things like that. They kind of put the bed when they reintroduce these characters later on and especially things like in the very first season, and I know there's like lots more of this season, but things like the villains, or some of the villains I'll say, there's a caveat here because villains like the laughing coffin gang who are basically serial killers they are people who go around purposely killing player characters there was something really sinister about them at least in the beginning of it but they didn't give them enough story time or anything they pop up every so often but then they bring them back later on when they're no longer a thing they kind of say oh yeah remember laughing coffin and it's like oh yeah that one episode we spent with them how could I forget laughing coffin those are the kind of main things. I do feel bad though because from what it sounds like from what I'm saying, I do like a lot of the earlier stuff with the exception of Mother Rosario. I do like the earlier stuff in this anime. I mean I've watched this anime from start to finish. So I've watched it from the beginning of the Aincrad arc all the way to War of the Underworld. Those are the kind of main things though. There's a lot in the early seasons and the early works that I like. But yeah, the more the series 
goes on, the less I start to enjoy it, with the exception of something like Sword Art Online Alternative, which was the spin-off series that was focused in the Gungale Online part of the anime. But before we go into that, and you know, like any offshoots and things like that, what were your favourite bits, Green Shield? Mine are a bit more mixed. You were saying about the animation. I like the animation style. I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty standard animation. I don't think it's really pushing out the boat too much with regards to that. The fight scenes are pretty well choreographed. I do think in the later seasons, like the Alicization seasons, the animation actually does improve and is much more unique and is interesting. And the fight scenes are very unique and animated brilliantly in those seasons. I think there's certainly things to be said about the storytelling of those seasons. But the animation is brilliant. As you mentioned as well, I love the music. I think the music has done so, so well. Crossing Field is such a great introductory intro song. And they have this one song, which name I can never remember, but it plays during a lot of the iconic moments during the show, that when things are really heating up and he's about to do something to finally win the battle. Is it Swordlands? It might be, I'm not sure. Super Editor Satsunami, add in the section for Swordlands here. That was great. Thank you. So that really hits home for me. I think that is done in such a brilliant way. It sounds a bit silly. And I, I mentioned this to you earlier, and I actually mentioned it to my partner, and she agreed when she heard it, that it reminds me a lot of the Chronicles of Narnia movie, which again is another one that has an excellent sort of soundtrack, I guess, to it. It's executed so brilliantly. I think that really has that going for it. I agree with you that the opening 12 episodes are the best of Sword Art Online. I think those are done in such an interesting way, and it was disappointing when it concluded that arc in that way. It did feel a little bit cheap. It was certainly surprising. It had that going for it. Like There was certainly a surprise factor. Like, oh my goodness, they're doing it this way. And I was certainly very interested by it. But then it goes on to the Alfheim arc, which ended up being not as fun, which we'll get into in the in the bad section. One thing that I really like about the show, I'm being a bit rambly here, and it's not really kind of a, a train of thought so much, but the relationship between Kirito and Asuna, and I'm echoing what I heard in actually a different podcast from this. So credit to Jake from Wizard and the Bruiser for saying this, but he's right when he says that the relationship between Kirito and Asuna is very unique in anime terms because they get together. There's a little bit of Sundere, oh, Baka, I don't actually like you aspect to it initially, but they fall in love they get married and they're together and like they fight for each other and like there isn't a will they won't they like that goes on for the entire series there is an aspect of like a harem in certain situations for Kirito and especially in the later seasons it becomes more like that where like he has different female characters sort of attaching themselves to him but he is always with Asuna you always feel that he is loyal to Asuna and that is so interesting it seems such, such a lovely relationship Asuna for the most part is her own badass character which gets a little bit ruined by uh, season two or uh, second arc rather but then in the Mother's Rosario arc which I did not see but I know it's one of your favorites I'm aware she kind of has a bit of a redemption from that because supposedly the mangaka felt like he kind of did Asuna dirty from the previous arc and so needed to kind of redeem what he'd done to her and so I think there's some brilliant strong female characters 
that are, for the most part, dealt with very well, albeit with a few choice scenes. But I think that's very interesting. I think that the concept of the getting sucked into a video game has been done, but I think that the initial Sword Online concept did it best. And it kind of spawned almost an entire genre of similar shows. It's kind of an isekai getting sucked into another world kind of idea, but like Overlord and that time I got reincarnated as a slime and all these kind of shows are very similar in that way as well. What is quite interesting as well is the longevity and the ability for it to branch out. The, you don't necessarily need to rely on the set story. You can see what's happening elsewhere. Like as you mentioned, Sword Art Online Alternative, which was a story set in the Gungale Online world with a character whose name I can never remember, but it's a small girl who wears like a little pink hat and has a little machine gun and she like runs really fast. And her little short storyline in that was very fun. I liked it. And it, they were able to do that kind of storytelling in a very different way. You go from a sort of high fantasy swords and magic aspect to guns and like tactical snipering and that kind of stuff. So it's dealt with in very different ways. Very interesting. So the ability for it to be so diverse and be the catalyst for other similar shows is very good. And I think that it deserves praise for that. You make absolutely fantastic points. And I do agree just slightly going back to what you were saying about Sword Art Online Alternative Gun Gale Online, try saying that five times quickly. Yeah, it is such a fun side story. And what I found really interesting about it was it is relatively a relatable story for the most part in terms of it's a story about a character called Karen, I think her name is. And she is a, I want to say about six foot or she's like a very tall woman in real life and she wants to go into like another game and try and escape and then she comes across Gun Gale Online where she's put into the shoes of this tiny anime character who runs around with a pink P90 which I have to admit as a person who loves like these FPS games as soon as I saw the P90 that's one of the guns that I use in especially Call of Duty and things like that for the modern ones I was just like oh yeah I 100% like this character noob you one v one me in Rust. Okay, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. There were some bits I didn't like in it, but again, no anime's perfect, but I did enjoy it a lot more than really what we're about to talk about. Before we go on to what we're about to talk about, I just want to reiterate the disclaimer that we put at the beginning of this episode, that there will be some discussions about some very mature and serious themes of this anime, in particular, as Green Shield had pointed out, things to do with sexual assault and aspects like that. So going into the bad aspects of this, as you were saying at the very beginning of this episode, there are so many people who love this anime and they grew up with it. Some people it was their first anime. I even remember going to a comic convention one time and seeing two kids with, you know, the swords that Kirito uses? Yes. And it was kind of like a cute image because both of them had the swords and they were at one of these panels and they were waving them excitedly in the air and things. So there are people out there who do enjoy this or they might have a nostalgic attachment to this series. And I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some aspects of this anime that even I kind of look back on and I go, oh, that kind of reminds me of the time that you and I, Green Shield, we watched this anime together and that was kind of part of our anime learning experience, really. There's nothing inherently wrong with, I suppose, liking aspects of this anime if you grew up with it. But on the other hand, you can 
not deny that there are very problematic issues with this anime. One of the main issues that I do have with this anime is the fact that, as you said, there are a lot of very objectifying scenes towards female characters, which is really weird because in the first episode, we get introduced to Kirito, of course, and he characterises himself as a loner. He doesn't want to integrate with any guilds or anything, and eventually he opens up to this guild and he gets very friendly with a lot of the characters there. Spoilers, they all end up dying and he can't do anything to save them. It's a very poignant scene. It is very, very sad. And you kind of think, oh my god, is this the tone that they're going to bring throughout the rest of the anime? Spoilers, no. Yeah, 110% is not the tone that they bring throughout the rest of the anime. There's a particular scene later on, other than the obvious issues of the arc ending far, far too early. You have the villain of the piece who they actually meet by the end of episode 12 and they ask him, why did you do this? And he says, you know what? I don't remember. That is the most frustrating storytelling device. Sorry to jump into yours, but yeah, that is so annoying when a show's villain is asked, why have you done this? And they're like, oh, I'm sure I knew at one point, but I don't anymore. It's like, oh, it's because you don't know why they've done this. The writer, you need to think about this. Like, it just seems bad. I don't like that either. It does seem a little bit lazy when it's like, why did you do this? For the lols, for the shits and giggles, you're like, that's not good enough. I mean, you're a criminal. <laughs> you're a criminal and you're supposed to look at him like this misunderstood genius because although some people might disagree and say, well, no, actually, he is seen as like a horrible, horrible person, rightfully so. I mean, if you do look at it, you know, later on in the anime, he helps Kirito and you're kind of like, but why is he helping Kirito? <laughs> when they trapped him in the game for two years and I don't know maybe there's like an explanation that just went right over my head but the turning point for me that really made me uncomfortable with this anime other than the obvious you know tropes and things like that was there's a particular scene in the Alfheim arc where first of all before I go on see if I was trapped in my Oculus Rift for two years and I nearly died and then like a year later coming out or maybe not a year later but you know a couple of months after coming out of it someone said oh they released a new game but it's like a safer version of the Oculus I would not touch that with a barge pole I don't know how you would feel Green Shield but I would not touch that with a barge pole I would be like get that shit out of my face I nearly died from that would you go into it again? No I mean certainly be a level of like PTSD trauma associated with the entire idea I think I think I would be very reluctant to dive back into it but at the same time maybe there's also an element of almost like a Stockholm Syndrome or like a dependency on that world you can't live in reality anymore reality doesn't seem real to you anymore so you need to immerse yourself back into that game world so I can kind of understand it to that capacity I can understand why Kirito goes back because it has to save Asuna who's still in Alfheim online and I get that but they never really take it beyond that he drops into the game and he's like oh where's my weapons and everything really? Are we not going to explore this just a wee bit more? I get it, this isn't like Ghost in the Shell, tear writing or even Psychopaths, God forbid, but you know, there has to be something surely. But no, he just kind of shrugs it off and goes, okay, let's go get that gamer score. And you're like, okay. But as I said, the turning point was it's revealed that Asuna initially, as you said, in the first 12 episodes, she is considered as a very strong independent character. She can look after herself. She's very determined 
friend and she has her own mind. In season two, they just make her a damsel in distress. That's the long and short of it. They put her into a literal birdcage. You look it up at your own discretion, but they literally put her in a birdcage where a, I want to say a pervy businessman has her captive. It's a simplification, but... (laughs) It's a perfect businessman at the end of the day who wants to marry her to get her dad's company or something. There's a turning point in it where she tries to escape. So you think, oh, great, this is the old Asana coming back. And then there's a scene where she comes across a laboratory within the game. Now, you would think that the scientists who work in this laboratory would just be normal scientists. But no, they are tentacle monsters, slime tentacle monsters who wrap their tentacles around Asana and and basically just constrain her to be honest but the way it's kind of framed and shot it does just look completely dodgy there's certainly molestation vibes to it absolutely it's just it's very uncomfortable and it put me right off because I thought why is this a thing why did they have to have this in the game or the show in general they do say something like oh we got to choose our own avatars and things it's like no there's an easy explanation you can just make them all stupid fairy elf people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just say, well, yeah, fairy elves, oh, we've captured us and that, but no, they have to make them tentacle monsters, and that sat uneasy with me, because they do something very similar in, I think it's War with of the, the Underworld, yeah, yeah, with Leafa, who turns out to be Kirito's his stepsister, or his actual sister. I think it's actually, like, his cousin, but they say sister, because I don't know if that's just, like, a Japanese, East Asian kind of term that you would say sister, but either way, a family member. Yeah, a family member who off topic is attracted to him as well and every female character is attracted to Kirito so it's like great that's where the harem part comes in but there's a part in War of the Underworld where they are trying to save Kirito from this other 3D virtual world and everything and you're like oh great here we go again and she gets tied up once again by tentacles which there's a kind of fascination with tentacles in this show it's just uncomfortable because there's literally no need for that scene to be in it the fact is if you're writing a story and you could cut that scene out and nothing would change in the story that's it you don't need it you clearly don't need it in but that's the kind of things that did make me very uncomfortable what are your thoughts on it though Green Shield because I know I'm going on about it but I'm assuming you felt the same way about these kind of elements in the show yeah I mean I touched on it prior to the conversation here and also jumping into what you were saying it's moments like that that really kind of make you wince and as you said go like why have they included this my only explanation is as a demonstration of just how bad these characters are to go like oh these people are so bad that they'll do this to this female character but there are other ways of displaying that you don't need to do that it makes it an uncomfortable watch for no reason I'm not going to say that one is any better than the other but if they just had them like slap Asuna that would have been less uncomfortable it's still is an awful thing to do and it represents that they're an awful person but it doesn't make it seem it's some weird fetishization of the character isn't there a literal scene though in Alfheim where the antagonist just licks her all over yes and again why it's not unique to this show it's not there are so many shows anime specifically that I've watched with very similar scenes with very similar antagonists and it never works for me it never 
hits in the way that I feel like they're trying to make it a hit. I just don't see why they've done that. And I think that it alienates a potential audience when you include scenes like that. It's the difference between watching the show with your parents. If the show didn't include those scenes, you could theoretically watch the show with your parents, your partner, your friends and family who aren't as necessary into anime, and then go, hey, this show is pretty interesting, pretty cool, cool concepts, fun fights, all that kind of stuff. But then scenes like that crop up, you then have to justify to them why you watch that and justify that you are not interested in that. I've not had to go through that, fortunately, but just <laughs> just imagining having to go through that is very awkward. And you want to try and make the medium as accessible as possible. One of the truly great, and I bring this up so often, one of the truly great animes that is so accessible is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And it does not include any scenes like that. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the likely reason for that is because the mangaka is a woman and she knows that reasonable people don't want to see that and don't need to see that. And you can write compelling antagonists without including scenes of that nature and almost trivializing what is a horrendous topic. And again, it's not just the show. It's the medium. It's the culture behind the medium, rather. It's what is holding back anime from being any more mainstream than it can be because you have aspects like that that you have to create. I'm not going to say this is necessary comic relief in those instances, but that there is often comic relief that is one character perving on a female character. And that, I think, is one of the big things that needs to be addressed in manga and anime culture that I don't think will be addressed for the foreseeable future because it is a different cultural mindset. They don't care in Japan. There isn't that interest to change because they do think that that's funny or compelling or interesting. Well, I mean, considering you've got shows like Food Wars where the whole premise is literally people eat food and then the clothes go flying off and it's like, oh, by the way, this is a culinary school for teenagers and you go, hmm... <laughs> This is not comfortable. Yeah. I, I totally get what you mean, though. It is very uncomfortable at times. And again, you do remind yourself that these characters are 16 years old. And I'm not saying it would be any better if they were adults, but the fact that these are teenagers going into early adulthood and everything, and you're like, I know it's probably a cultural difference, but again, from a perspective, or rather from our perspective as a Western audience, it doesn't sit right. And again, Sword Art Online, I just want to point this out, Sword Art Online is by no means the worst offender of this trope, but certainly they don't do themselves any favours with certain scenes like that. No, and they don't seem to learn either. You could say like, oh, well, that was back in 2012. They've learned and moved on from that. But as you said, it happens again in what is actually probably a worse scene in War of the Underworld. And in that instance, it's a female antagonist, I believe, that is restraining one of the female side characters. And it's used as an inspiration for... For like a pig character. Yeah, a pig character who was like a villain but turned and like became a hero. Very, very bizarre. It's a very, very jarring scene, I have to say. I remember watching that and just getting increasingly uncomfortable the more it went on. And I was like, okay, there's no reason for this scene. Again, that's exactly one of the scenes I think of when I think, can you cut this out of the anime? Yes. Will this affect the climax of the story? No, it won't. You know, because she comes back later on and she's perfectly fine. You know, she's like, oh, 
yeah, let's go. And it almost, and again, I'm not making any assumptions about the author or anything like that, but it does seem to trivialise a lot of it. It happens as a plot point to move the story along, and then as soon as that plot point's done, they just never talk about it again. And you're kind of like, well, why bring something so horrendous up? You don't want to bring up something as serious as sexual assault and then just be like, oh, it was because this guy is a bad guy. As you said, you could easily achieve that in multiple ways. Do you know what it actually reminds me of? And I think one of our guests on the show previously, Craigie C, has brought this up. But years and years ago, we used to do a bad movie night together. And the sign of like a really bad film that we found was that there was a lot of films that we put on, you know, just completely random off of Amazon or something like that and being like, oh, how bad can this be? And a lot of the common themes in that was the use sexual assault in some of these films, whether it be low-budget action films or things like that, but they didn't really treat it with any kind of nuance or sincerity or they kept it going along and it was just there for the sake of being there. And that's how I feel with Sword Art Online. If it wants to be taken seriously, it should treat something like that with a bit more care and attention, rather than just saying, yes, Leafa's sexual assault was to spur on Pigman. I actually can't remember his name. I can't remember most of their names. That is true, but even still, you know, I honestly can't remember his name. So clearly that scene didn't make an impact, because I'm not thinking about Pigman's redemption. I'm thinking, <laughs> Jesus Christ. When is Pigman going to get his own arc? <laughs> When are we going to get to the Pigman arc? It's not justifiable. I know that's a big rant to say it's not justifiable. I think that speaks to the show as well. The, the egregious scenes are the ones you remember more than the good iconic scenes, I feel. And the characters, other than the main couple, don't impact you enough that you remember their names. We were talking earlier about one of the, the main antagonists in the first part of Alicization, Quinella, the both of us were like, who the fuck is Quinella? <laughs> Quinella DeVille, yeah. <laughs> there was literally about 20 episodes dedicated to her. So uh, like, yeah. clearly like made a great impression. And that that is another can of worms, that character sort of essentially seducing a teenage boy. Was that Eugenio or something? Eugenio, yeah. Eugenio, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't that bad, I have to say. I liked him as a character. I actually really liked him, because initially when I saw the opening for that arc, and I saw Kirito, like, fist-bumping this rando, I was like, who the hell is this? And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, that's a nice wee relationship they had going on. Spoilers, he becomes a sword. It's kind of stupid. Well, it's anime, I suppose. It was bound to happen. It was 2012. It was a different time, okay? <laughs> they were all becoming swords. It was the thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which was the style at the time. <laughs> no, I get what you mean, though. I mean, he was alright. There's some other elements, though, that I have to admit, just jumping off of what you were saying about things being forgettable, there is like an entire, it's like a mini arc, don't get me wrong, but there's an arc in between Gun Gale Online and Mother Rosario where they focus on the gang going off on like a side adventure. It's pretty forgettable 
and boring, but I have to admit it's not as offensive, I would say, as something like, you know, the end of War of the Underworld or bits of Alfheim Online. So, see, before we talk about other things we didn't like, because I know we've got Gun Gale Online to talk about as well, because there's certain elements that you and I both, I think it's safe to say we agree on. It's not as good in certain regards compared to the original series. Yes. But there's a particular thing that I want to bring up. I'm going to get this elephant out of my room right now because he is just taking up so much space in here. And that, of course, is chapter 16.5. Now, before I go on, Green Shield, did you have any knowledge of chapter 16.5? No. That was a very diplomatic no there. continue along what is chapter 16.5 for those of you who don't know sword art online began as a light novel and i think the work was kind of submitted and you know was written before it became picked up as a light novel and then subsequently an anime but there's a particular chapter let's just say that the writer and again before i go into this i just want to say this was written as i want to say like as non-canon and outside of the world of SEO and everything but I still want to bring this up because I know someone out there will be like oh they didn't talk about chapter 16.5 basically it is a smut fan fiction and I'm going to be as nice as possible in the way I phrase all of this but yeah it's basically just what happened on Kirito and Asuna's honeymoon with graphic depictions of them going at it and just horrible onomatopoeia like glopping sounds is thrown around quite a lot you know when you're getting all frisky and you create some glopping sounds exactly glopping what was the other term two years worth of something oh my god no that's what they say i'm not even gonna finish that sentence because i refuse to give it the credit or even the scorn it deserves. I sat and thought, there is no way, there is absolutely no way this is as bad as people are saying. And it wasn't until one day, one of my friends, he's quite bad for sending me shit posts for like anime and just different memes and things. I mean, usually I do love seeing them in the morning being like, oh, what a funny meme. But there was one they sent me and it was just like a normal screenshot of SEO and it was kind of framed like a motivational poster. And they took a quote from that particular passage as it were and I read this and I sat there for a good five minutes didn't even touch my Cheerios I just sat there for five minutes and I was like what the hell's this and he explained about chapter 16.5 which again is like a smutty fan fiction so you might be thinking why am I talking about a smutty fan fiction because it was written by the author himself and that just baffles me to be honest that somehow he thought it was appropriate again it's going back to that thing of what he considers appropriate compared to what the audience considers appropriate and everything it's just a mess it's horrible it's awful but I thought I might as well bring it up get it out the way because someone out there will know what I'm talking about and I don't want them thinking oh but you don't mention this because I actually saw someone online they had the call to turn around to be like oh yeah whenever SEO haters come online they always quote that so just as proof I have quoted that after all of our other criticisms so you're welcome out there it seems as if it's kind 
kind of a problem that's been with the series at the very beginning. You know, it doesn't seem as if the tentacle scenes, the objectification, it doesn't seem as if that's been sprung out of nowhere. You know, it's like he's writing one day and he accidentally draws a tentacle. It's like, good heavens, a tentacle. You know, it's not like that. All I can say is Green Shield, I'm sorry for telling you about it. I wish I could say I could forgive you, but... That's why I'm going to the Shadow Realm after this episode. Yeah. Bringing back to what you were saying about the side quests in between arcs, that kind of thing. One thing we didn't mention, which actually was quite good, I like, and I liked it, was the murder mystery mini arc, where essentially the whole idea is that in these like town squares is like a safe zone. You can't die in the safe zone, and so a lot of people end up kind of staying and living in the safe zones, and so they don't like risk dying. We then have a situation where someone dies in the town and is permanently dead. And and so it becomes a murder mystery as to what happened and like how this occurred. And so Kirito and Asuna are detectives trying to solve the case. It goes on for, I think, two episodes. I think it's a two episode arc. It is actually very interesting and is dealt with in quite a fun way. And I would recommend those little two episodes for sure, even if you don't watch the entire show, because that that is quite fun. I have to admit, I did like it. I thought that it was kind of a breath of fresh air. SEO and Einkrad, the world, as a whole is such an expansive world that they could explore and it was interesting to see them delve into people who didn't want to fight you know people who wanted to stay in these safe zones and exploring oh what would happen if as you said if these areas were compromised I liked it I did think it was really interesting but again going back to the criticisms I felt as if they rushed through them far too much I don't feel as if they gave them like the kind of time to breathe as they probably should have. Overall, I did like it. But the one thing we haven't talked about is the aspect of Gun Gale Online, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, season three of the anime. I believe it's actually season two. I think it's season two because I think technically Aincrad and Alfheim are one season. It's just separated to arcs. I think it's technically like the third proper arc, but the second season. Yeah, what were your impressions? Because we've actually got quite history with this arc, I have to say, because as I said, we watched this anime when we were in university and by the time we finished SEO, the Gun Gale Online arc was just coming out and you and I both watched it week on week together. Yeah, what were your initial thoughts of this one? I was intrigued by it and again, I like the music. I think the soundtrack for it was quite good from what I remember, the opening song. It was such a departure from the fantasy genre that we'd previously been in that that was a bold move and I quite liked that they did that and that we were seeing characters put into a different arena and so that intrigued me and I like a lot of aspects of it. I think the actual, once again the concept being interesting was let down by the actual storytelling which I felt was quite weak for that arc What were your opinions? Yeah, I would agree with that. So as we've established like countless times in the original 12 episodes, if you died in the game you died in real life. But in Gungay online there was a guy going around called Death Gun. Yes, that is his real name, Death Gun. Mr. and Mrs. Gun had a baby and they called it Death. His silly name aside, he basically shot players in the game and when they shot them in the game they ended up dying 
in real life. So there was that whole kind of mystery of, oh, who's doing it and everything. And slight spoilers, but it turns out to be some of the members of the band formerly known as the Laughing Coffin Gang. I liked that they kind of brought them back and they do bring them back in Alicization, even if it is like a, I was about to say it was a poisoned umbrella, but it isn't. <laughs> I think I've been watching too much James Bond thinking it was a poisoned umbrella he got shot by, but no, it wasn't. It was Kirito for anyone who cares about that, but I think it was him trying to fend them off with an umbrella. But anyway, so Laughing Coffin, they are a gang who basically they team up and they try to purposely kill players and take quite a sadistic pleasure in it. So in the first 12 episodes, there's, it's like a Sim diamond thing come off their heads, isn't it? Yeah, it is like Sims, isn't it? I forgot about that whole uh, aspect to it. It like warns other players whether or not a certain player has attacked or killed other people players and so like I think if it's green they haven't attacked anyone that's another human if it's yellow they've attacked someone and if it's red they've killed another human player because there's a really cool episode of the original one where there's a character with a green diamond but they hide it because I think they poison people or something there's a loophole that they get around it so they're able to hide themselves and that's like a really cool and intense moment in the show I really did like the way they handled that but it's weird the way they handle them from the end of the first 12 episodes because they don't come back at all I don't know if they're mentioned or not but they don't come back at all until Gun Gale Online then they disappear again and they don't come back until Alicization but then after the first episodes of Alicization they're gone again and it is such an interesting and fascinating concept which I wish they had spent more time on but again I brought that up before that they do need to spend more time fleshing out these characters so as I was saying before Death Gun is a former Laughing Coffin member and Kirito was sent to kind of hunt him down and try and bring him in but the way they set it up is just very boring there's like a whole scene where they spend half the episode and I think I've been generous here but half the episode in a cafe do you remember that where it's like it's him and the government agent just talking over coffee and tea I was about to bring that up they essentially have like the Japanese FBI that recruits Kirito being like we have this murder case to solve we need some cyber esports crime division to go in and handle it. We're bringing you in, kid. Surely you can go investigate it through other methods, like have an actual detective or officer that can learn how to play the game. It's a video game. Like I know young kids are generally better at video games, and it's not super easy to get like really good at a video game. But like they could put time in so that an actual federal officer is doing this rather than getting a kid to like risk his life. But can you imagine if that was translated into the real world, where and I'm probably dating the episode by saying this but if you got like a Twitch streamer I don't know Ninja or Pokemon or something it's like okay you can find the serial killer online it's like wait a minute uh, as you said shouldn't we find someone who's a bit more trained on the subject and it's like nah or it's like trying to hunt down a cannibal with someone who's watched all of the Hannibal Lecter films the number one fan in his fan club so it's like he's definitely the number one choice of someone you want to be part of your team on short answer no I know what you mean it's kind of a contrived point but it's something to get them into the story and I get why they do it but I just I totally agree with you I don't feel as if it's really appropriate is probably the right word for a child 
to be involved in an investigation. Would you say that this has one of the silliest conclusions out of any of the arcs? Yes, probably fair. Don't get me wrong, there are a lot more silly ones, like for example the first 12 episodes where they say why did you do it? I don't know. Or the Lickitung villain in the Alfheim season. To be fair, I actually quite liked the ending of the second arc. I thought it was quite good when he like he came back into like the real world and was like hobbling through the hospital or like, hobbling through the parking lot and like fighting with the guy. I found that very compelling actually. I got quite invested in that at the time. I've not I've not actually watched it since. It's been a long time since I've watched it but I remember being very invested at the time. Because the thing is the ending of this arc isn't that bad but there's one particular scene that you and I and I remember this vividly that you and I watched the episode where Death Gun comes to is it Shinon's door? The new female character that they introduce where Kirito comes across this sniper who is like very good at the game and they team up and they try to take down Death Gun with his lightsaber which I keep forgetting about. There's a particular scene where Death Gun finds out where she lives and Kirito's like coming to save her and there's a scene where it's like he gets stabbed with like a needle from the Death Gun guy and you think oh my god what's going to happen now? And I remember you and I kind of looking at each other thinking oh my god I can't wait to see what happens. So it turns out because I think he's in like a FBI facility or something like that or as you said the Japanese version of the FBI where he's got like the heart monitors and things. The explanation or the way they explain it away is that his heart monitor doohickey and that's the medical term of course ends up blocking a needle so he didn't get injected with poison. Yeah that was just so disappointing. I remember sitting with you and just remember when we looked at each other we're just like really? Is this what we're waiting one week for? To be like it just deflected off his heart monitor. It was anticlimactic and it was silly the idea that sort of the heart monitor protected him. Maybe we're not giving the mangaka justice maybe he did some of his own tests and knew that a heart monitor is made of a certain thickness and material that breaks the needle. I don't know but it did seem a bit stupid. Do you know what it reminds me of though? It's like you know whenever you get a character in like a western or something yeah, I was just they get shot. <laughs> yeah. They have like the whiskey flask is like protected them. It's like the whiskey the bible the pocket watch yeah it's just it's any item here. The Nokia phone. Of course that saved more lives than you can imagine. But yes this episode being sponsored by Nokia aside. No for legal reasons that's a joke. Is there anything else that you would point out though that you either liked or disliked? Like what are your kind of final thoughts about SAO as a whole? I've expressed this throughout already. My final thoughts on it is that it is it is a show with so much potential and there is certainly more that can be done still with the material. Going back and looking at the show I'm able to sort of see without rose tinted glasses that the issues that concerned me at the time are still prevalent and prevent me from fully recommending the show. It has some great highs and unfortunately some very low lows and one of the biggest things that lets it down is its villains, its antagonists. I don't think it writes antagonists well. A lot of people complain about the protagonists, the the Kirito is OP, that he's boring, that the harm of girl characters aren't interesting, which are valid criticisms. I don't buy into them necessarily as much. I find them intriguing enough, but I do think that the villains are poorly written. I did not mind the soldier villain from 
from the War of the Underworlds arc. His underling was really bad, but he was decent, I guess. But for the most part, the villains are a bit crap in the show. And that's, I think, what lets it down the most. Going back to that point, there are a lot of characters that, on paper, they seem decent enough. You've got the stereotypical brooding antagonist, you've got the strong independent female leads right beside him and everything. But as the series goes on, this is going to sound like a really weird description, but it does feel like a JPEG almost. <laughs> the more the series goes on, the more it starts to slowly deteriorate. And initially when you're looking at it, you don't really notice these issues. You think, oh no, it must just be me. I'm overthinking certain things. But the more and more blatant issues, as we said before, with Alpine, with War of the Underworld, with certain elements for that. And I know we haven't touched on the films yet, but I mean, that can be a topic for another day, to be honest, because the films, from what I remember seeing of the first one, I think it was Ordinal Scale, it wasn't actually the worst. It was a relatively interesting idea. Again, I don't want to spend too much time to be like, oh, it was great or it was awful, but it wasn't bad. And I think the world of SEO has potential. I, th- I think that's my main issue with this anime, why I sometimes criticise it. It's not because it's inherently a bad anime, but it's an anime with missed potential. And I think that's the worst thing. You can be a bad anime, that's kind of standard in the industry. You're either, you know, a great world-class anime, you're kind of mid-range, or you're just going to be one that's going to be scorned. Or you're bleach. Or you're bleach. Or One Piece. <gasps> How dare you? I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's going on forever, that's all I'm saying. Although, that's probably dated the episode when, I don't know, next week the author says, yeah, I'm quitting it. Don't you dare. If Hunter Hunter can make a comeback, though, then there's hope for it ending. <laughs> I'm only kidding. For legal reasons, that is a joke. I apologise <laughs> to all the One Piece fans out there, including you, Green Shield. I'm sorry. We'll get a One Piece episode out of you, yeah. If there's any one criticism I would levy against this show, it would be the missed potential. It's a show that they could have done so much with. They could have explored the different floors of Ninecrad. They could have gone further. This is a series that definitely could have stayed in the same world for a lot longer, but it does feel as if he's uncomfortable, the mangaka Ricky Karahawa. It does feel as if he just doesn't like to stay in one place for too long. For the first one, it's Aincrad. For the next arc, it's Alfheim. Then it's Gungale Online. Then it's back to Aincrad for the... I think for the next one? Yeah, it is for the next two arcs, where it's the one where Kirito and Ko are getting the golden sword. And the one after, that's the Mother Rosario arc. And then after that, we've got a whole new world where it's like a top super secret facility. And Kirito's in a coma or something as well. Even before that though it's like they say oh Kirito's been here before and it's like this hyper secure facility in the middle of the ocean where one of the lead scientists dresses in traditional Japanese attire for like a very secure facility they don't actually have very good security because like a group of them storm the base and 
and that's why Kirito actually gets trapped because he's getting unplugged but just as he's getting unplugged I think the system crashes with him still in it so it completely fries his brain and he has to stay in that world but as you said he's comatose and everything and there's a lot of plot points that you can pick apart much like any anime there's a lot of plot points you could pick apart if you enjoy this anime no shade to you because I'm not going to sit here and say oh if you enjoyed this anime then you're the worst type of human being because it is surprising and you've met them as well but it is surprising how passionate SEO fans are yeah I mean I'm sure this exists for every fandom oh yeah but I did criticise elements of SEO on Twitter once and got a barrage of hate for it I felt like the criticism I laid wasn't criticising necessarily it was criticising I feel a section of the show that deserves examination and criticism and the fans did not like that seemed to deem that the show is without criticism or impervious to criticism it was a very bizarre interaction and I took a step back from it I didn't want to really engage with them any further so I just kind of left them to their own devices but it did shock me because I'd never really had that kind of engagement or reaction from anyone on social media before they were very very defensive of a very stupid topic (laughs) (laughs) and now that hate has fallen onto me thank you green shield If you want to uh, discuss opinions on SAO, direct it to at Chatsunami on Twitter. Yes, whatever you do, do not share this episode. Do not listen to it a couple of times. Then share it with your friends. Oh, please don't. That would be terrible for a podcast. Hate on it with your friends. Get them to download it so they can hate on it too. Make TikToks. Yeah, make TikTok clips, yeah. That totally won't advertise the episode. <laughs> I'm going to bring up a very kind of side tangent point, and I'm curious to hear what you think of this just before we finish up, but I feel as if nowadays with the kind of age of the internet, because you and I are both young enough to remember a time where we were kind of on the cusp of the internet just coming into the world. You know, like obviously the internet does predate the 2000s and everything, but not in the form it is today. You had the dial-up internet that was coming in and when broadband came in it was absolutely revolutionary and it's weird to think that in this day and age you can't think of a world where the internet wasn't there you know it's like see when you're watching some shows you have to remind yourself well they don't have mobile phones the internet's not a thing and you're like oh okay fair enough but with this age of people and in myself included I'm not going to hold myself up above anybody else because obviously that's not fair but I myself have my own opinions via the chat Tsunami podcast and of course on Twitter, through Twitch and everything the internet for better or for worse has enabled people to have their own voices on the internet to build these fandoms, to build these communities and say what they think is good and dictate maybe what's not as good but on the flip side although it's been used for good there has been a lot of negative discourse for certain fandoms whether it's good intentions or it's something like as we said Sword Art Online or most commonly an example I'm going to pluck from my own life Sonic the Hedgehog where you'll get fans who are very vocal they believe that what they're saying represents the entire fandom usually these are younger people mind you but because they've got this voice and they're kind of enabled by other people in this kind of bubble nowadays it is more common to see these kind of fans I don't know whether that contributes towards why people are so defensive 
exclusive of this show because let's face it, SEO is a punching bag in the anime world. It's low-hanging fruit is what I'm getting at. Whenever someone makes fun of an anime, usually they'll say, oh, like SEO, ha ha ha. And I can understand people who grow up with this show and they say, oh, this is the best show ever. I loved it when I was younger. I can't wait to see what people said online. And you know, they get confronted with a barrage of people saying negative things about it and they get defensive. That being said though, as we said with the criticisms, that does not mean that your franchise is free of criticism. Just because you love something doesn't mean that other people cannot criticise it. And whether it's good criticism, like you can criticise the criticism if that makes sense, but at the same time, just because you like something doesn't mean there's going to be like a force field above your franchise. Sorry, going back to you, Green Shield, what are your thoughts on that? That's what I was saying before. You have to be aware that even things that you like are not impervious to criticism and you need to be open that other people have different opinions on shows and movies and books and music that you like. Everything about that is subjective. And so you can say that criticism is not necessarily valid in certain aspects. It's more of an opinion, but you can critique how matters are being discussed, how they're being dealt with within material. And you need to understand the certain things that make people uncomfortable are worth discussing unless the thing that you're uncomfortable with is because of your own prejudice. It's a bit of a minefield. It's a difficult one to navigate because you want to be able to say opinions are valid and then you'll have people who go like, there were two gays that kissed in this and that made me uncomfortable. So like, it's a criticism of the property in which situation that's stupid. But where a character has been sexually assaulted and it is trivialized, there is valid criticism there. It it is, it's such a difficult one to navigate, but I do think that for the most part, you need to be open that your show is not impervious from criticism. Green Shield, thank you so much for coming on to the show and talking about ACO. No problem. Thank you for having me. We've had rants about it in the past, but never into this much depth. So it was cathartic. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's an episode that was a long time coming, I'll say. It was a long time coming. And on that note, before I get really cancelled, thank you all so, so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to check us out on other podcasting apps, you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and of course our pod page website. Just look for the Red Panda under the name Chat Tsunami and we will see you there. Also, finally, I want to give a huge shout out to our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the channel. And if you would like to catch more exclusive content from ourselves and early access episodes, you can indeed catch us on patreon.com forward slash chat tsunami but until then thank you all so so much for listening to this episode stay safe stay awesome and most importantly stay hydrated now if you'll excuse me i've got to get a sandwich out of my vr headset